deeper dive the dark side of light sleep health and disease part two so previously in part one we discussed the importance of sleep sleep mechanisms the brain chemistry of sleep and the number one thing that affects sleep light so here in part two we're going for a deeper dive and i want to provide answers to these questions what is serotonin and how do we produce it what happens when levels of serotonin are low what is melatonin and how do we make it? What happens when we have low levels of melatonin? And how can we boost our serotonin and melatonin naturally? And then I want to finish with giving you protocols to ensure that you can have the perfect night's sleep. So let's go down the rabbit hole. We learned in part one that our sleep cycles are primarily controlled by light, temperature and sleep-wake homeostasis. So daylight and an increase in temperature in the morning provides a stimulus for us to wake up. So we need natural light just to keep us healthy. Our eyes and skin need exposure to daylight in order to keep our brains and bodies healthy to get our vitamin D and to function optimally. But we need darkness too, so that our circadian clocks can regulate our sleep cycles and other functions. So we're gonna dive deep into both light and darkness. So let's dive deeper with serotonin first. What is it? How do we produce it? So remember serotonin is a precursor to melatonin. So that the healthier our levels of serotonin are, the more likely that we'll have healthy levels of melatonin as well. So let's start with what is serotonin and how do we make it? So serotonin is the daylight neurotransmitter. It helps regulate our moods, social behavior, learning, cognition, memory, cardiovascular function, pain, appetite, controls sleep, it controls a lot. And it's found in the brain and the central nervous system and also in our blood and also in our intestinal tract. And an interesting fact is that approximately 95% of our serotonin is made in our stomach where it functions to regulate food digestion. So if you've got any issues with digestion, make healing your gut a priority because healing the gut is necessary to produce healthy levels of serotonin. Our brain also makes serotonin and it's produced in the part of the brain called the raphinucular tract and it's located in the brainstem. And when bright light enters our eyes through light sensitive cells, it signals these serotonin producing neurons in the brainstem to make, neuro, um, to make serotonin. So the more bright sunlight we're exposed to, especially through the eyes, the more that serotonin will produce. But the eyes aren't the only reason. So we know that sunlight's essential for vitamin D production. Well, scientists have actually found that our skin produces serotonin when it's exposed to sunlight as well. So like our stomach and our brain, our skin produces serotonin to regulate things like immune and, and vascular systems. There was actually a German study that found that stimulation of light on the skin also improved serotonin in the blood. And the study literally showed that 15 to 20 minutes of UVA exposure resulted in increased serotonin in the blood. So we're wondering if, is this one of the reasons why sun baking makes us feel so good? So what happens now when serotonin levels are low? And since serotonin helps regulate so many functions of our brain and our body, 
When your levels are lower than normal, it definitely can contribute to a wide range of symptoms. And the symptoms are huge, and I'll just read a list here. We've got uh, seasonal and chronic depression, anxiety, worry, panic attacks, phobias, obsessions, low self-esteem, insomnia, sleep cycle disturbances, irritable bowel, PMS, weight gain, carbohydrate, carbohydrate cravings, eating disorders, pain, muscle pain, fibromyalgia, headaches, absolutely heaps. So as we're learning, serotonin really, it helps to reg regulate virtually all aspects of behavior, from moods, anger, appetite, and attention, and, and more. So we've learned that bright lights stimulate serotonin production, but the reverse is also true. That light deprivation lowers serotonin, which can cause a wide range of symptoms, which we've just discovered. So serotonin is a, is serotonin production is one of the reasons why bright light therapy is used to treat seasonal and non-seasonal depression. And something that I found really interesting is how serotonin levels affect pain perception. So serotonin appears to have a major role in pain, and it regulates the information that's sent from the nerve fibers to the spinal cord and the brain, and it seems to help modulate the perception of pain in the brain. And maybe this is why certain antidepressants drugs can be effective when managing pain. And for example, it's actually found that women with fibromyalgia, which is an illness which is characterized by widespread fatigue, pain, and um, general muscle soreness and tenderness, these women had significantly lower levels of serotonin, which may explain their heightened sense to pain and, and related symptoms such as sleep issues. Okay, so that was a deeper dive into serotonin. Now, let's dive into melatonin. Melatonin is produced primarily in the pineal gland, and a small portion is produced in the retinas of the eyes. The synthesis and release of melatonin are stimulated by darkness. So that's why we call melatonin the expression of darkness, as it's stopped by light. So when our eyes detect darkness, a signal is sent to a specific region in the brain that controls sleep rhythms, and from there there's a signal that's sent to the pineal gland to produce your melatonin. So this is why dimming the lights, avoiding blue lights of televisions, phones, basically anything with blue light, because blue light suppresses melatonin synthesis. So the blue light that comes from light emitting technology, it, it really confuses our natural body clock into thinking that it's daytime. And then serotonin, which we discussed before, which is the precursor, and without adequate serotonin, the pineal gland will struggle to make melatonin. So we need to have serotonin and melatonin. So the healthier our levels of serotonin, the more likely that we'll have healthier levels of melatonin too. So when the pineal gland produces melatonin, it's then released into the bloodstream and it goes throughout the body. And research shows that melatonin tends to reach maximum levels in the blood between 2am and 4am in healthy people. And then as daylight approaches, it slowly gets warmer and our retinas detect an increasing levels of light the melatonin levels fall, and then basically during the daytime, there's no melatonin at all. It's undetectable. So light has two effects on melatonin. 
that natural day-night cycle that modifies the rhythm of our sleep. And then we also find that brief pulses of light of sufficient in intensity and duration can really abrupt and suppress its, suppress its production. So exposure to light stops melatonin secretion and it also depends on the time and the intensity of the light that you're exposed to. So what happens when melatonin levels are low? So as you'd expect, low levels of melatonin are associated with sleep disorders. When our melatonin levels are lower than normal, we'll probably find it difficult to fall asleep and definitely to stay asleep. We'll often wake up during the night, can't fall back asleep and we'll toss and turn. Does this sound familiar to any of you guys? So low levels of melatonin can also weaken your immune system and make us more susceptible to viruses, bacterial infections and immune conditions, and also inflammation and even cancer. Because melatonin is a powerful antioxidant and free radical scavenger, it plays an important role in the immune system and is actually one of the first lines of defense in attack. So melatonin has been shown to inhibit the growth of cancerous tumors and it can even help prevent cancers. And it also helps protect um, healthy cells from radiation-induced chemotherapy. So if you want to improve your mood, regulate your pain perception, regulate your sleep cycle, improve your sleep quality, boosting your brain's production of serotonin and melatonin should be on top of the list. So how can we boost both serotonin and melatonin levels naturally? So you should know by, the, by now one of the answers. Get out in the sun and we will show be sleeping in darkness. So considering that humans evolved to live completely outdoors and our brains and our bodies are literally built with the best function to function with natural light. But most of us will live our lives deprived of light, especially natural light that's essential for our health. So the more light you get, the better, as long as you take steps to protect yourself against cancer. But there's an important thing. Timing is important. You want to expose yourself to natural light in the morning without sunglasses and show as much skin as possible within 30 minutes of waking up for at least 5 to 10 minutes. So if you're always wearing sunglasses, just know that constantly blocking the sunlight that's hitting your eyes can lower that stimulation of the light-sensitive cells that signal serotonin production. So get outside first thing in the morning without the sunglasses and use this to set your body's clock and this will stimulate melatonin production earlier in the evening and makes it easier for you to fall asleep. But it's also been found that sunlight later in the day isn't as positive on these effects of sleep. So here's some protocols for making the sleep of your dreams a reality. So first one is turn your bedroom into a sleep-inducing environment. Make it quiet, dark, and then make it cool. Make it sound slumber. So why do you think the bats sleep in caves in the daytime? And to achieve this environment, lower the temperature, um, cut out the outside noise with earplugs or even play white noise. Use heavy curtains, blackout shades, or even an eye mask to block out light. Because remember that light is that powerful cue 
that tells the brain it's time to wake up. So keeping the temperature comfortably cool between 15 and 23 degrees is optimal and keep the room well ventilated. Make sure your bedroom has comfortable mattress, nice pillows and if you've got any pet make sure you might want to keep them outside just so they don't wake you up in the night. And it also, believe it or not, helps to limit your bedroom activities to sleep and sex. Keep the computers, TVs and work materials out of the room and strengthen your association between sleep and your bedroom. And most importantly, turn off all the lights, even your phone charges. So then we also want to limit our exposure to sources of blue light. So limit your exposure to at least one hour before bed. Those computer monitors, mobile phones, television screens, they're all enriched with blue light. The short wavelengths of blue light produce a high amount of energy and exposure really increases our alertness. And, and pretty much it makes our body believe that we should be waking up and not shutting down into sleep. Because the blue light literally confuses the body clock into thinking, ah, it's daytime and that we should be waking up. Melatonin stops, we release cortisol, and that's the waking hormone. So blue light exposure can be reduced by wearing blue blocking light glasses, dimming your screen, keeping the phone or computer at an arm's length from your eyes, using night shift function on the display, or you can even just turn it off. And if you really want to take light blocking to the next level, wear blue blocking glasses after sunset, use only red lights in your environment, Cover your windows to prevent any external light and then wear a blackout blindfold to bed. So we all should know this one, but I'll say it again. Avoid caffeine, alcohol, nicotine and other chemicals that interfere with your sleep before bed. So as a coffee lover knows like myself, coffee is a stimulant and it keeps us awake. So we really need to avoid caffeine for four to six hours before bed. And also if you smoke, Stop the tobacco products about at least an hour before bedtime because they're stimulants. Literally, caffeine products, they decrease the quality of our sleep. And alcohol, although it may help us sleep within a few hours, it also acts as a stimulant. And it also increases the number of times you wake up and just the general quality of your sleep is declined. So it's best to limit the alcohol to one or two drinks a day and avoid them within three hours of bedtime at least. Another good idea is to establish a soothing pre-sleep routine. So you really want to ease the transition from waking time to sleep and use a period of, of relaxation with activities about an hour before bed. Use essential oils, lavender, take a bath because the rise and fall in body temperature also promotes drowsiness. Read a book, enjoy a nice chamomile tea or even some breathing or relaxation exercises. And it's important to avoid anything that's stressful or stimulating activities, because, and even discussing emotional issues, because these will, they literally cause your body to stress, which increases cortisol, which increases your alertness. So if you take your problems to bed, maybe even try writing them down and just putting them aside and then chilling out. And another thing is to try and go to sleep when you're truly tired. So if you're struggling to fall asleep, you can just get frustrated. 
So if you're lying there for at least 20 minutes, get out of bed, go to another room and do something relaxing. Keep the light low, meditate, read or listen to some music until you're tired enough to go to sleep. Don't get on your phone. Keep those lights dim, as I said, and you don't want you know, any bright lights or TVs to stimulate that internal clock when you're trying to go to sleep. When you're feeling really tired, go back to bed again. So we also want to keep our internal clock set with a consistent sleep schedule. So having a regular sleep schedule will help ensure better quality and consistent sleep. So try and go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time each day. So try and stick as close as possible to these routines, even on the weekends, to avoid that Monday morning hangover. Because even sleeping too long, um, you can feel groggy. So um, wake up at the same time, set your clock, and even if you didn't get a really good night's sleep before, the extra sleep, as I said, not good. Now you're probably asking, well, should I nap? So if you're a regular napper, or an early napper, should you do it? Because a lot of people do make it part of their habits, but if you find falling asleep and staying asleep tough through the night, avoid the afternoon naps totally, because they may decrease that sleep drive but if you need to nap, make sure you sleep early, keep it short. And also, before you go to bed, make sure you lighten up on some food. Because literally, eating pizza at 10 o'clock is going to be a recipe for insomnia. So finish your dinner several hours before going to sleep. And generally avoid foods that are going to cause indigestion. If you get hungry at night, just have light snacks, even a light glass of water. But remember... You want to drink enough fluid at night to so you don't wake up thirsty, but drink, don't drink so much that you're going to wake up and need to go to the toilet at night. Another great tactic for sleep is to exercise early. So exercise earlier in the day or late afternoon. Help um, promote a restful sleep, gets rid of that energy, and you feel good about yourself. Now I know some of these tips are going to be easier to include in your day than others, but follow through. If you stick with them, your chances of achieving a restful sleep is definitely going to improve. Hope you've enjoyed this video. Share it with a friend. Please like and subscribe. And I thank every one of my new subscribers and my old subscribers. I love you guys. Talk soon.